Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast for the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you haven't already, we encourage you to check out our audio archive at vineyardcampbellsville.org. You can also subscribe on iTunes or wherever you like to get podcasts. And now, here's this week's message brought to you by Senior Pastor Adam Russell. Our friend Dan Wilt landed the plane for a series that we've been doing for about five or six weeks called God at the Center. And really God at the Center was a series all about like, how do you actually have God in your life, you know? And not peripherally, but like in the middle. Like how is it that we could build a life where God is at our foundation? And Dan landed the plane. And while he was doing that, uh, Dan took us through his word and when he did, he, he took us through a little liturgical formulation. Uh, maybe you remembered it last week. It was in Latin, so it sounded like a Harry Potter incantation. Do you guys remember that? I just thought, you know, if you read it with the right pace, something might happen, you know? But, but Dan, Dan gave us this little formulation last week. It was called Lex Orandi. How many remember the next part? Lex Credandi. And then finally... Lex vivandi, Lex orandi, Lex credandi, Lex vivandi. And here's, here's what he, he was giving us in these little Latin phrases. It means something like this. The way you pray will become the way you believe, and the way you believe will become the way you live. And then that begins to inform again the way you pray, which informs the way you believe which informs the way you actually live. It was, a, it was a formational word. It was a nod towards formation. And as we've said here at the Vineyard a million times, we're all being formed by something all the time. No one in the room right now is not being formed. We're all being formed. The question is, what is forming us? How are we being formed? So here's what we're going to do the next three weeks. The next three weeks, we're just going to sort of unpack these, these, this little orientation, this little Latin Harry Potter incantation. We're going to unpack it for the next three weeks, and we're going to, we're going to begin to say to ourselves and to the Holy Spirit, God, would you, would you begin to inform the way we pray so that, so that you could greater inform the way we believe, so that you could really have a hold of the way we live? Is that okay? So what I want to do this morning is this. I want to talk to you, I want to talk to you this morning in a, in a message I'm calling Lex Orandi, the way of prayer. We've already read Matthew chapter 6, 5 through 13. But before we get into the scriptures this morning, I want to talk to you about subways, highways, and gene expression. A couple things you need to know right up front. I'm not a civil engineer. I'm not a biologist. I got a D in chemistry every time I ever took a chemistry class. So everything I'm about to share with you, I am completely unqualified to share with you. But I want to talk to you about subways, highways, and gene expression for a minute. Um, but before we get into maybe some of those other things, I, I first want to start here with gene expression. Um, everybody in the room is expressing our inherited genetic makeup. You know, I, I, think, I think I can concretely say that, uh, even though I'm not a biologist. Uh, everybody in the room, everybody in the room inherited something and you're expressing it. But one of the things that we've been learning for the last minute, and I started reading about this again this week, 
One of the things we've been learning in science for the last minute or two is that DNA isn't a one-path deterministic venture. And here's what I mean by that. Sometimes we think when we're talking about DNA, we think, well, A plus B, a plus B equals C. But one of the things that science is beginning to unpack for us is, is something like this. It's A plus B equals any number of viable options in the same organism. Here's one of the things that we're sort of, sort of starting to learn. Uh, you can literally turn genes on and you can turn them off. Like genes that you were given, genes that are in your body right now can be turned on and can be turned off just in the way we live. And just this week, I was, uh, I was reading on nature.com. I went into the like, little journal side of this. I started reading about gene expression. And I read this really interesting article about Himalayan rabbits. <laughs> it's fascinating. It's unbelievably fascinating. And not only is it fascinating, but it's, the implications are kind of stunning, you know? I love that this stuff is just sewn into creation in a million different ways. But here's, here's essentially what happens with some, with some little Himalayan rabbits. Um, if the Himalayan rabbits are living in a moment where the temperatures are 35 degrees Celsius and above for an extended period of time, when those rabbits mate and have offspring, the rabbit's skin and their fur will be solid white. 35 degrees and above for an extended period of time, the rabbits are born solid white. Their little, their little furry coats are just perfectly solid white, not a speck on them. But, but if, if the temperatures drop, if the temperatures drop and they, they hold between 15 degrees Celsius and say 23 or 4 degrees Celsius, somewhere in that range right there for an extended period of time, those rabbits from the very same parents, so imagine this, same parents, same genetics, those rabbits will be born and their bodies will have white fur, but their feet and their ears and their noses will be black. Isn't that interesting? And it's a, it's a strategy, it's a strategy for these animals during colder temperatures to stay warmer where? In their extremities. It makes sense, right? You'd want to. It's fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. Which brings me, which brings me to subways and highways. Some of you are like, Where, how's this going to work? <laughs> Honestly, I don't know. I mean, I have no idea. Um, I want you to think about the New York City subway. It's underground. Smells like hot oil and garbage. Anybody ever, anybody ever ridden the, the New York City subway? Yeah. If, if you've ridden it, you know exactly what I told you is absolutely true. But it's also fascinating. It's just the coolest thing. Because there's all this stuff happening on the surface, but then below the surface, there's like another, there's another city that happens down there. And when you think about the fact that it was built over like a hundred years ago, it's like, how does this work, you know? And if you, if you need to go from Brooklyn to say Harlem, or if you need to go from Brooklyn to say, you want to go watch the, Na the Yankees in the Bronx, there, there's a way to get there on the subway and you don't have to go through any stoplights. You can just be zooming underground right through the city. It's, it's pretty, pretty fascinating. I remember a few years ago, River and I, we, we went up to the, to the big city and we went to see the Yankees play. And uh, this has nothing to do with the message, but we got on the subway after, after the game and it was like midnight and we're going back to Brooklyn and these guys got on with us and they started singing and they got the whole subway car to sing in like 20-part harmony. 
Like the guy was walking around and he was going, okay, you, this is your part. And he would sing the part to you and he would have you repeat it. And then we all started singing Michael Jackson songs and like, <laughs> I'm just telling you that story because that kind of stuff doesn't happen in Kentucky. So everybody needs to go to New York, right? Like this is what you need to do. But, but I want you to think about, I want you to think about the subway. And here's the thing about the subway. Uh, it's a specific route. It's, it's really helpful, but it's predetermined. And each train goes on a particular path. Literally, the train cannot vary from the path that the engineers plotted for it. Now I want you to think about something different. I want you to think about a map of the United States with all the roads that crisscross the nation. You know, you got your, got your interstates. Then you got your secondary roads. You know, roads like from here to Columbia, the nice three lane. Like, why can't we have that on 210? Why, God? Why do, you, why do you hate us? Right? But I want you to think about the, th- the nice three lane that goes from here to Adair County, you know? And then there's, then there's off of the three lane, the roads get smaller, don't they? You know, I want you to think about taking a left over at maybe um, Holmes Bend. You know, you take a left out in Holmes Bend, you go out toward Egypt, all of a sudden, some of you are like, there's an Egypt in Kentucky? Look. There's a Manchester in Kentucky. There's, there's a Paris in Kentucky and there's Versailles. It's not Versailles. It's really different. But the roads keep getting smaller, don't they? Yeah, I want you to think about all the roads. And here's what I want you to think about as well. Um, I want you to think about someone asking you how, how you would go from L.A. to New York. Think about somebody comes to you and you're like, hey, would you tell me how to go from L.A. to New York? And, and maybe you'd get your big map out and you'd go, well, you know, you probably ought to take this road and then you go this road and you go this road and then you're in New York. Here's the question, though. How many, how many ways are there to go from L.A. to New York? Conceivably, thousands. There's a million ways to go east. There's a million ways to go east. And somebody in the room Right now, you might be thinking, what in the world are we doing? What does this have to do with anything? Well, let me, let me, say, let me say this this morning. I've been talking about gene expression, subways, and maps because I wanted to say this. There are lots of ways to be you. There are lots of ways to be you. There's not one way to be you. You know, some of us here grew up with alcoholic parents and you're thinking, you know, I'm, I'm doomed to alcoholism. Or, or maybe we grew up in a fairly unhealthy family system and you think, oh, you're living with a lot of anxiety about like re-expressing those genes. Here's what I want to tell you. Uh, maybe, but here's the good news. There's lots of ways to be you. Even if you've inherited some stuff you didn't want to inherit. Your mom and your dad, they gave you some building blocks to be you. But as we've learned, our environment can turn some things on and some other things off. And here's why that's important for a Christian. It's important because we can become like Jesus. No matter who you are right now, no matter who the spiritual genes that you've received, no matter the ways in which they're being expressed right now, no matter whatever the struggles are in your life, the good news is there are some things that can be turned on in you and there are some things that can be turned off in you. There's a million ways to be you. And if you want to, you and I can become like Jesus. 
So I want to talk to you for a moment about Lex Orandi, the way of prayer. And one of the things that Dan taught us last week is that the way of prayer changes us. And I want to quote pastor and theologian Glenn Packiam here. Reese, can we put this up for a moment? Here's what, here's what Glenn says. He says, the phrase Lex Orandi, Lex Credandi means quite literally the rule of prayer is the rule of faith. Maybe a better way to think of it is the way you pray and worship becomes the way you believe. The way I pray and the way I worship will become the way I believe. It's turning things on and it's turning things off. It's, you know what? Oftentimes not in one moment. It's like extended seasons. It's the, it's the repetition, just like those little Himalayan rabbits. You know, 135 degrees Celsius day, it doesn't make them all white fur, right? Takes what? An extended season, right? Same thing here. There's a million ways to be you. Uh, how many of us in the room have ever struggled with our beliefs? Or, or, or maybe, maybe we should go further down the road. How many, how many of this, how many of us in the room have ever wished that we could be different? You know, how many of, how many of us have ever been like, you know, I really wish that I could live different. Well, well, here's what the historic church and the scriptures would say to you and I this morning. If you, want to begin, if you want to be different, start to pray and start to worship differently. If you want to be different, pray and worship different. And as a side note, let me say, let me say this as well, that being a prayer and a worship person, it doesn't remove the struggle or difficulty from life. Instead, it strengthens us to develop the character of Christ that can persist in difficulty. Okay, so that's actually really important. Sometimes people hear hear words like I'm about to give about formation and we begin to think, well, you know, if I just start praying and reading my Bible and maybe come to church and have a home group and let someone pray for me and confess my sins and, and, and serve the poor, then my life will be easy. Probably not. In fact, it's probably going to get more difficult. Uh, the more you press into being like Jesus, your life is actually going to get harder. Okay? But the good news for us is this, that the character of Christ will strengthen, strengthen us for difficulty. That's, that's how this thing works. So, Reese, if we could, I want to go back to the scriptures this morning. Can we just put up Matthew chapter 6? And I, I know we've already read it, but I want to read it again, and then I want to pull three real quick things out of it for us this morning. Jesus says this, When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everybody can see them. I tell you the truth, that's all the reward they're ever going to get. But when you pray... Go away by yourself, shut the door behind you and pray to your father in private. Then your father who sees everything will reward you. And when you pray, don't babble on and on as people of other religions do. They think their prayer, prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them for your father knows exactly what you need even before you ask him. Pray like this. Our father in heaven... May your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. And may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need. And forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation. Instead, rescue us from the evil one. Here's what I want to do this morning. I want to unpack this scripture in three ways. 
I want to talk to you about secrets. I want to talk to you about honest words. And then I want to wrap up by talking about sometimes the subway, sometimes an open road. So if you are taking notes this morning, that's the way we're going to unpack this. We want to talk about secrets, honest words, and then sometimes the subway and sometimes an open road. First, I want to talk to you about secrets. Jesus says, I hope you noticed in this scripture, that the first thing that Jesus says about prayer is that when you practice it, you should try to practice it in secret. In fact, if you read Matthew 5, 6, five, six and 7, he, he says that several things should be done in secret. Praying should be done in secret. Giving should be done in secret. And fasting should be done in secret. So there's something about the disciples' life that needs to be, that needs to be hidden. And, and here's what's interesting. Here's what's interesting. Is there a more contemporary word for us? Like living in an age where everyone, even the most unfamous person, is overexposed. Like all of us. I mean, if we're just being honest, we've all overexposed ourselves. I mean, we just, we put everything out. Like it's crazy. Like we, 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 we have fully plugged ourselves into the matrix and, and nothing is hidden in our life. Uh, I was talking to a friend earlier this week about secrecy and, and he and I were talking about how uh, in an earlier time, uh, in our culture, it, it, was a, it, was, it was an honor to keep a secret. We were talking about how it was an honor to keep, hold a secret for someone. Like maybe someone comes to you and says, you know, I'm struggling with X, Y, Z. And we were talking about how there was a space in our culture where it was an honor to be able to like hold space and, and to be a person of confidence and it wins trust. And, and we were also talking about how now we live in a culture where, where everything is flipped. There's, there's, there's no secrecy. Instead, it's always only illumination. It's always exposing, right? Everything is always, always being put out there. We live in a moment when nothing is secret. We live in a moment when a lot of the times I'm blasting my good deeds. It's interesting because secrecy was not just a formational word that Jesus would give to 21st century Christians. It's interesting to me because it's something that people living in the first century also needed, especially when it comes to prayer. You know what that tells me? It tells me it's not about being a modern person or an ancient person, but when Jesus says, if you're going to pray, do it in secret, this secrecy thing, this is, this is something that human beings need. It's not just what modern people need, it's what human beings need. I think there's three benefits to Secrecy. I'll give them to you real quickly. Three, three benefits to being someone who can pray in secret. Uh, number one, number one is it forms us towards God awareness. You know, if if I'm if my prayers are not performative, and by the way, that's really the thing that Jesus is getting at here. He's he's getting at the danger of performative religion. By the way, there's nothing nothing more toxic than that. Performative religion is the thing that will kill us. If I'm not praying for the eyes of other people, if it's not performative, if I'm not concerned with how it looks, then the only thing left is this. It's developing in me God awareness. Like, why would Jesus say pray in secret? He's saying pray in secret because I want you to develop God awareness. God awareness. By the way, the grain of the universe is this, that there is a God and he loves his children and he wants to answer them. That's the grain of the universe. 
And secrecy will allow us to tap into simple God awareness. There is a God. You have a father. Everybody in this room has a father and he sees you. He sees you. Now, you may be thinking, well, I, I don't know if I believe that right now. I don't even know if I feel it. Great. Here's, here's, here's the truth. Begin to pray in secret and see if some God awareness doesn't begin to grow. Will it happen in one day? No. No, no Himalayan rabbits become white in one day. It'll happen over the course of a season. You know, that's the way this works. Live towards that. Build towards God awareness. Number two. It protects us from, form, from performative religion. It's deadly when our faith becomes performative. When we pray or practice looking good only in front of others. And by the way, this is a word mostly for me. As someone whose job it is to stand in front of you with a microphone every Sunday. One of the things that Jesus is saying to all of us, but most especially is me, is this. The danger of performative religion is extreme. Listen, woe to us when we put our good deeds on Instagram only, right? Woe to us. Woe to us uh, if, if, we, if we mostly just get jazzed up to pray in front of other people. Woe to the person, woe to the person who reads their Bible in, in public on Sundays alone. Woe to the person who leads a home group but has no secret life to, with God. Woe to the person whose religion has become performative. It is deadly. It is deadly. When the rewards of our prayer, giving, and fasting, they come from others, that's a huge warning sign. So secrecy allows us to build some God consciousness God awareness, then it also protects us from performative religion, right? And then finally, finally, it positions us to be rewarded from God. Did you notice the promise that Jesus gave? He said, if, if you'll do it in secret, your Father in heaven, what? Sees and he will reward. How many of you would like to have the reward of the Father operating in your life? And by the way, I hope you notice that when Jesus says that last little addendum about your father sees and will reward. He's not, he doesn't say your father sees and will give you what you asked for. He doesn't say that. He sees and he will give you the reward. The reward of what? The reward of being someone who has developed a consciousness toward God. The, the reward of being, someone, of being someone who has protected themselves from performative religion. And the reward of being someone who is living in the gaze of God. Right? And sometimes that, may, sometimes that may mean like answers the way that you and I want them, but it will always mean we are living in our Father's affections. Number two, honest words. In the second section before Jesus gives us the model prayer, Jesus says, Hey, don't be like the pagans who stand up in public and just go on and on, repeating words, thinking that. The repetition is going to get them anywhere. Y'all remember that? I want to talk to you about honest words. Uh, I want to ask you maybe this question. Uh, how many of you in the room have ever gotten nervous and just started rambling? <laughs> Any, anybody here? Anybody here when you get anxious, you talk more? You're like, and, and let me tell you about this. You become like an auctioneer. You're like, how do those guys do that, by the way? I, w I so want to learn that. 
You know, what a great skill. <laughs> yeah, you can become nervous. And I think, I think Jesus is hitting on two things when he says, don't ramble on and on when you come to prayer. I think he's hitting on two things. Number one, I think he's really hitting on this, this subharmonic note that has to do with anxiety and how often what we're doing in prayer is we're just, we're just bringing our most anxious self to God, which by the way, if you're going to bring yourself, you, you, it's a, like God ain't mad at your most anxious self, right? But what God does want is he wants you to grow past your most anxious self. Like the point of prayer is not just to give voice to all of my anxieties. God wants to move us through that. So I think when he's saying, you know, look, don't have a prayer life that's just like, oh God, God, I need some money. Anna, you know, money is what I need. Pretty soon you're praying like Yoda. You're like, you're, you're saying it so many ways. You, you're ending up saying, you know, what money, what I need, God. You know, it's, you're, it's getting weird, right? Because you're just, and what is that thing underneath? It's just anxiety. It's literally just anxiety. The second thing I think that Jesus is getting at in this particular part of the passage is I just think he's, he's getting at our human tendency to think that, that religion, that, that, that like just doing something over and over, saying something over and over, that it's like an incantation, that, that, like, that dead religion has any power. I think Jesus is trying to extract us I think he's trying to extract us from the idea that, that, that quantity trumps quality, right? Like, like how many of you have ever heard people say, you know, if we, just get, if we just got 20 million people to pray for our country, then it would turn to God. Can I tell you something? Maybe, maybe. You know what could be just as effective? One person in secret. Like in God's kingdom, it's not about repetition and it's not, qu it's not quantity over quality. It's not, it's not like religious human ideas uh, that are supposed to be force multipliers that somehow, you know, if we just got 20 million people in America to pray, then, then the prayer meter would be full and God would have to do something he didn't really want to do. As though he's capricious, you know, as though he's really small. You know, it, it, it just unplugs us from those ideas completely. And instead of, instead of anxious over and over, and instead of religious instincts made audible, what God is looking for is a few honest words. Here's, here's what Jesus is really saying to everybody in the room. You have permission to be human. You don't have to be a robot. You don't have to be bigger than yourself. You can literally scale your, prayer, your prayers down to the size of your own human self. And here's why. Because your Father in heaven sees. Like, like my prayer doesn't change anything. It's God who changes things. I'm, prayer's just an open window for me to connect with God. That's what it is. All spiritual disciplines. Jesus is disconnecting us from the, from the idea that we need to be impressive or that we have to have the right words. And he's connecting us with the reality that we just have to be a human. We just have to show up. I love what he says at the end. He says, don't pray like that for your father in heaven knows what you need. 
He already knows what you need. And, and here's what I think that Jesus is saying in that moment. Uh, that might mean that prayer is not primarily about getting something from God. When Jesus says, hey, don't babble on and on. Don't ramble. Don't, you don't have to repeat yourself over and over a million different ways. We're not filling up the prayer meter You can be a human. And, and by the way, your father in heaven already knows what you need before you even ask. When he says that, part of what Jesus is hinting at is that prayer's primary purpose is not to get something from God. It's to become a particular kind of person. Prayer is formation. It's, it's about becoming someone who's like Jesus. Okay, number three, sometimes a subway, sometimes an open road. Here's a prayer secret. Sometimes prayer is a subway and sometimes it's an open road. And here's the good news for everybody in the room. Sometimes it's one, sometimes it's the other. But it's always, always, always one of the two. Always one of the two. Maybe you're here this morning and you're like, I want to be a prayer person. I have no idea what to pray. Great, great. You don't have to do open road prayers. Do subway prayers. What are subway prayers? Well, we, we put one up on the screen this morning. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Right? Like if you don't know what to pray tonight before you go to bed, or if in the morning you're like, you know what? I want to be a prayer person. I want to have the character of Christ formed in me. Uh, I want to be someone who ends up looking like Jesus. I want to turn some jeans on and some other ones off, and I don't know how to do that. You can simply begin to pray the Lord's Prayer word for word with, with, without any, anything else, anything else. And it will be a subway prayer that will take you from Brooklyn to the Bronx. You want to go see the Yankees? We can go see the Yankees in prayer. There's a way to get there. We can go see the big show. You know, there is a way, there's a way to do it. By the way, uh, if you want to do that, if you want to do that, you should maybe even consider just praying the Lord's Prayer in the morning for maybe like a minute and maybe a minute or two before you go to bed at night. Just do that for six months. And if you don't do any other kind of praying, you will go, you will go from Brooklyn to the Bronx. I'm telling you, you will go from the Brooklyn to the Bronx. There will be things that are turned on in you and things that are turned off in you that, that, were, that were currently not operative. Can I tell you that? Sometimes what we need are subway prayers. Uh, if, you, if you don't want to pray the Lord's Prayer, fine. Look, go onto the internet. Everything is on the internet and you can find some prayer. Go, go just type in prayers of the church fathers. Prayers of the church fathers. And what will come up is, there will be prayers from, from some of the earliest Christians from like year 300. Find, find a prayer that's from the year 300, literally 1,700 years old. Find one of those prayers that Christians have been praying for over a 1,000 years, print it out, put it on your nightstand, and read it and begin to open your heart to God, even by one degree, and you will go from Brooklyn to the Bronx. It won't happen in them. It won't happen in one night. Like the first night, you'll be like, who is, who is Basil? There's a guy named Basil. Like you won't even be able to pray because you'll be like, the guy's name is so weird. Basil? Who named their kid Basil? You know? Origin. Who is Origin? You know, you'll, you'll, be, you'll be hung up on something else. But if you'll just begin to pray that subway prayer, it will move you. 
It will move you. Do that for six months. Turn some genes on. Turn some other ones off. Can I tell you something about like just praying the Lord's Prayer? If you pray the Lord's Prayer like morning and night for six months, the thing that'll happen is twice a day, you'll have to pray that part about like forgiving others as we've been forgiven. <laughs> you think Jesus doesn't know some stuff about like being formed in the character of Christ? Like, how do you think, how do you think it is that when Jesus was crucified, Jesus's prayer, by the way, in this moment was not a subway prayer, but was a open road prayer. Jesus's prayer on the cross with nails in his hands, looking at the people who put him there. His prayer was what? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. I would like to suggest to you that Jesus's open road prayer of forgiveness for the very people who nailed him on the cross came because he had a subway prayer for years, probably, that said, let forgiveness be a part of my being. Like, how do you think it is? How do you think it is that the, the apostles, the apostles, every single apostle, except for maybe John, every single apostle died a violent, horrendous death, very much like Jesus. Many of them were crucified upside down like the Lord. How do you think it is that they became those kinds of people? Like at one part of the gospels, Peter, trying to defend Jesus, pulls out his sword, cuts off Malchus's ear. He's like, you're not doing this to my Jesus. Jesus picks up the ear, puts it back, right? And then later in his life, Peter becomes the very person who has laid down his sword, is no longer defending Jesus, and Peter ends up dying a death very much like Jesus. How do you think that Peter's character was formed into such a radical change? I would like to suggest to you that Peter had some subway prayers that eventually became open road prayers and it changed the character of who he was. He became like Jesus. He turned on, he turned on those son of God switches. He turned on those genes inside of him that came from heaven. He turned on his true self. There's a million ways to be you. He turned them on by prayer and by the end of his life, he's someone completely and thoroughly different. Pray some subway prayers. And then, and then here's the thing. You know what? If the subway prayers aren't hitting for you, just start praying some LA to New York City prayers. By the way, there's a million ways to get there. Just go east. Just go east. You know, when you're praying open road prayers, the main thing that matters is orientation. And by the way, I just want to say this really simply late. I want to say this really simply and then we'll wrap. The orientation for Christian prayer is the life and person of Jesus. Like if it doesn't make us more like him, if it, if it doesn't feel like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and gentleness, if, if it doesn't feel like that peculiar thing that is the Son of God, if it doesn't have the aroma of Christ around it, We may be praying some open road prayers, but, but maybe we took a left in Albuquerque and now we're headed to Canada. Right? I mean, in Canada's fine. It's, it's great. It's great, but 
But if you're trying to go to New York, you know, you gotta, you got to get your cardinal directions right. And if our fervent, if our fervent open road prayers aren't turning us more into the, someone who looks and acts and smells like Jesus, then we have reason to be suspicious of the very prayers we're praying. Like the character of Christ, the, the way of being in the world, like this is the, that is the key on the map, you know? That is our cardinal direction. So church, sometimes we've got to pray subway prayers. Sometimes we've got to pray open road prayers. In either case, the Spirit will be at work. And in every instance, the cardinal direction is Jesus Christ. This is the way of prayer. Lex Orandi. That kind of prayer will change the way we believe. It will change the way we believe. And the children think so too. Hey, if you're, on the, if you're on the worship band today, come on up. Thanks again for stopping by the podcast of the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you'd like to keep up with what's happening at the Vineyard, you can follow us on social media. Until next time.